Hey, hey, I'm Jimmy Bullard, and this is me old muck of Venus. We're back together, son. How are you? Hey, Bully, great to be back working with you. What are we doing here, though? We're starting a football club in podcast form. The only thing we know, it's called FC Bullard. After that, it's all up for grabs. So, we haven't got any players, we haven't got a kit, we haven't got a club badge, we haven't got a stadium. Correct. FC Bullard. Welcome to the club. This is a crowd podcast. This podcast is sponsored by James McDonald, who had a farm. E-I-E-I-O. To be more like James, go to patreon.com, search for The Joe Marler Show, and become an official sponsor today. Joe Marler is a big-hearted man, and he's got a podcast plan. It's The Joe Marler Show. It's the Joe Marla Show. Oh, oh, oh. Um, Dan, uh, oh, fuck it. <laughs> I haven't even got a line. It's fucking going. Hit the road, Jack, and Dan is back. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's such a shit one. What? Oh, I want you back. No. They want you back. They want you back. They want you back, Dan. Whatever you said, whatever you did on the last show, people want you back for good. They want you back. They want you back. They want you back, Dan. That was better, no? That was nice. Thank you. Being serenaded. Dan, you're back. I am. I'm back. You're back, and I love that you're back. I love talking to you. I especially love talking rugger with you. <laughs> um, how are you, mate? Oh, Good, thank fuck. you. Tom, you're you? here as well, are you? Oh. Sorry, yeah, Tom's here. Don't worry about me. I've only been doing podcasts with you for over a year. <laughs> Take me for granted. Yeah, but I've always got the impression <laughs> that you we're just like your dirty little secret. You prefer your Garoint Thomas <laughs> and your fucking death of a sports star and what's that Joel, Joel, Billy Joel one that's really good we didn't start the fire we didn't start the fire and then me and Dan are just your dirty little secret so please forgive us for uh, forgetting about you let me reassure you that if I did have a dirty little secret it wouldn't look like you two <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice like we've done there you've tried to cover it up haven't you <laughs> like, yeah, yeah I definitely definitely wouldn't trying to throw people off the scent I know what you're doing <laughs> clever isn't it yeah do you know well joe coughs himself um into an early grave dan i don't know if you saw uh joe and i were sent a picture which did the rounds on social media which featured chris robshaw as discussed last week joe marler marcus smith and alex dombrant and someone captioned it see if you can guess um england plas (laughs) (laughs) it was actually very very good They've, oh, d- they've gone England Pla, England Pla, England Captain, England Pla. <laughs> they've even spelt <laughs> they've even spelt Playa right. It was really yeah. good. Oh, brilliant! No, that's uh, that's what I like to hear. I, I saw Chris again on Saturday. He was in good form. Um, he was wearing. Uh, he'd been on Soccer AM, and he loved it. And I was like, Yeah. What? I- he basically apparently blazed his shot over the bar, but he, he hit everyone in practice. He said, "I was like, oh, right, I, okay. s- I saw the clip actually. He." He top bins it, but it like roll out, rolled out, and I went, mate, Coley, do you remember like after training sessions <laughs> we'd do keepy or before training sessions or after? Yeah, we'd stand do keepy ups 
like, and me and you are the most mal-coordinated blokes ever to do keepy-ups. <laughs> and Robbo was just as bad as us. And yet he's yeah, been invited worse. to go on Soccer AM and he looked reasonably decent with a ball at his feet. And I went, you've definitely practised the night before. And he was like... Mm-hmm. So, oh my God. <laughs> he said, oh, but I, but I spooned my penalty. I wasn't happy with that. <laughs> Christ's sake. Yeah. He also put some tackles in, didn't he? He was um, on Soccer AM. He was holding a tackle pad and he had to put off uh, Jimmy Bullard and I think Paddy Kenny. He had to pull off, did you say? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an unusual thing to have on a Saturday morning on Sky and it's triggered an absolute avalanche of complaints. Of Chris Robshaw pulls off Jimmy Billard live on Sky Sports. <laughs> it might be why Sky his penalty, I don't know. Uh, was, was Robbo just doing one of the rounds or were you just in one, one box or were you filling your... Filling your pocket with several brown envelopes. No, I only saw him in in one. Um, but he was then he was invited to the. He said the Royal Box. I didn't know we were at Wimbledon, but he'd gone to the Royal Box with the former <laughs> captains, something like that. And I was like, oh, um, what what qualifies as? Because I'm sure in my career I must have like at least for a second. No, no, no. probably not. I, I like that you didn't finish. I like that you didn't finish that question where you yeah. went. What, <laughs> what qualified you uh, to be able to go to the old England captains meeting? Yeah. What did you have to be? Yeah, but, uh, define captain. Are you captain for a series or just like like a second of the? You know what I mean? Because you get some captains that are official captains, like Courtney say, as captain England. But is he England captain as such? You know what I mean? Was Robbo was like official England captain for a? was announced as part of a series or several series, wasn't he? On World Cups and stuff. That's a good question, Dan. Owen is England captain or whatever. Dylan has been England captain, but like obviously people have, because Tom Curry captained the team, didn't he, towards the end of the game. Now, does he qualify mm. as... Did he? Can he go into the... Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, it wasn't you. I, I, no, no. I I was on the field at the time. He def- Was he captain? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Was he telling you to do stuff and you ignored him because yeah. you didn't think he was the leader? Were you, were you telling him <laughs> yes, to do stuff yes. <laughs> and he was ignoring you? Yes, yeah. you got to do what you do. <laughs> this makes sense now. We were like coming in for like breaks in play or thing. And he was like, no, like he was trying to be a bit stern, like Marla, Marla, no. no. And I went, don't worry, mate, I've got this one. And, was, and now it clicks. He was captain, was he? Oh, yes. fuck. England oh captain, no, I've, I've balls that one up, haven't I? Yeah. I'll have to apologise to him. I, I was still very much in the mode of him just um, trying to join in with our little bromance all the time in yeah. Japan and just following us about all the time like a lost puppy, asking us to go to cat calves all the time with him. And that's the <laughs> that's the Tom Curry I still see now, even though apparently he was my captain at the end of the game. Yeah. Do you remember on that? We were on a, the bus when we first got to Tokyo and we were like driving across the bay and he like looks out the window and he goes, God, I didn't know that Tokyo was just, just so much water. It was like, what? <laughs> no, he didn't say much. He said, oh, right. he said, Tokyo's so water. And we went, what do you mean so yeah, water? Yeah. He went like, there's lots of water. I was like, you're missing a word there, you twat. <laughs> and then he, looked, he, he, he then got his Snapchat app up. And it was like a map on Snapchat, just not to scale whatsoever. He said, look, there's so much water. And it zoomed in. It was just all blue. <laughs> We're like, that's not a fucking real reflection of what it is. Yeah, but that's that's your captain. England, England captain. captain. Yeah. Did Tom Curry, um, 
in Japan, did he hang around with Sam Underhill all the time? Or was that just the impression that we were given in the media? I think that was the impression, wasn't it? He didn't. He was trying to hang out with us. Maybe, yeah. he, maybe he had to get into with Underhill in the end, but, you know, yeah, he tried with us and yeah, failed. I don't think anyone hung out with Underhill. Really? Yeah, and I don't think anyone hung out with Curry, so maybe that's what they had in common. So they actually ended up hanging out together <laughs> through um, default. <laughs> yeah, well, like where the Ruben list just gets labelled. done. <laughs> it's like 34 blokes, whatever it is. Like, oh, 17 rooms. Oh, fuck, we've got two left. Yeah, stick them together. Who wants to, like, <laughs> who doesn't want a room with... No, 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 no. Okay, stick them together. There you go. <laughs> uh, the nice thing is that all three of us on this call are wearing hats. Uh, two of us are wearing Joe Marler Show beanies, and one of us is not. Joe, why are you not wearing a hat promoting your own show when Dan and I are? Uh, oh... Because I took it, I took it with me to England camp, because they're so popular that so many of the boys wanted their own, and obviously they sold out really quickly. And we're waiting for new stock, but I thought, you know, I'll take it into camp and show show the show the guys the merch in person because they were so excited about it. Everyone, you know, even 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 Faz, who doesn't get excited about anything apart from rugby um he was like oh i want that mate get me out will you and i so you know i did and then because i had it on me and you were celebrating around the pitch and then this 14 year old kid stormed the pitch (laughs) and i just saw it as an opportunity to be that knight in shining armor like sunny bill was you know how humble he was with it and giving away his um, World Cup winners medal. I gave away the equivalent to me, which is the Joe Marler show. Some hat. would say better. A lot of people would say better, more practical. And I gave it away, so that's that's why I don't have it. Joe, I need to uh, offer my apology because I underordered hats, didn't I? We've sold all the hats that I ordered. As a result, I have reordered hats, and people can still buy them from your website. Which, um, just to remind us once more, is joemarla.co.uk forward slash shop so if you'd still like a hat you can still get hold of a hat yeah well you absolute burk for under ordering or underestimating the popularity of it all especially when we had one of the best models of the bobble hat going in Dan uh, Razzy Cole plus we all know about the supply chain issues um, in the world today so you know you should have ordered more and then you'd have them as opposed to, like, trying to rely upon catching up. Just a thought. I accept this criticism. Um, Fucking hell, God, he's gone. (laughs) Probably down the trade route. Oh, fucking hell. Also, Dan, when was the last time you heard anyone refer to anyone else as a book? Um, Not since Chris Robshaw in about the 18th century. (laughs) No, let's let's just touch on that briefly. That's come from my brother-in-law who calls all the kids Burks. He's like, like his nieces and nephews, my kids, his kids, don't be a Burke, come over here, like, it's Burke. That was, he took, come in, come in here, you Burke, and all that lot. And then we were like, one day, we, we were like, what is a Burke? And then we looked it up, and it's slang for Berkeley Hunt. <laughs> is it? And really? we were like, wow. fuck off, really? 
And then he's, he was just like, oh, no, I've been calling the kids beep all over the place and shouting like, come here, you burk. Um, has it stopped him? No. They're still just running just around like absolute burks. He just calls my now, does he? Just gone straight to the top. <laughs> Coley! <it. laughs> Sorry, you edit that out, it's fine. <laughs> oh, Joe. Jovid, are you. Is this the aftermath of. You do sound better, Joe. Lads, I'll be honest with you. I think I really underestimated how ready I was to say, yeah, I'll be available to sit on the bench in the hope that you just put me on for the last five minutes. Turns out I wasn't ready for 35 minutes, but there was 20,000 reasons as to why I said yes. And to be fair, when you were stretching off, you were on the big screen, I think you are one of the biggest cheers of the day. That's what what I watched on TV. Why? You're obviously a very popular player, Joe. Yeah, but you know the truth, Dan. Yeah. Perception is reality. Fraud. I always always used to think (laughs) that I... In my Leicester career, I used to, like, get a big cheer sometimes, and I got subs on and off, but it was actually for Castro going in the other direction. (laughs) (laughs) But in my mind, I used to think that, oh, yeah, everyone's cheering for me to come onto the field, and no, it was because he was coming off and he was the fan's Um, (laughs) favourite. Tom, I think it's important that we let the listeners know that uh, we're taking December off. I think we all need a well-earned, deserved... Is it deserved or deserved? I would go with deserved. We put out some uh, special episodes, best bits episodes. Um, I'd quite like uh, some of the best bits of Dan. Maybe we should get a best bits episode of Dan's best lines. That's a nice idea. Something sorted like that. Let's just pile more work onto Lou, shall we? Um, and then we'll be back in January with some brand new episodes. Joe, fascinating though this is, we need to have some adverts. I suggest that we have those adverts right now this is a very encouraging first episode tom very uh uplifting it's uplifting welcome to season two (laughs) listen to how shit my summer's been (laughs) big news the garrett thomas cycling club is back for season two with me Garrett thomas and me tom fordyce we've got more big name guests like bradley wiggins you know, you've got to be a real ruthless as a cyclist, and I realise that, you know, <laughs> you have to be. You become a horrible person at times. And Tade Pogacar. You possibly seem even more relaxed than G. I don't know if I'm more relaxed than him. Now I'm pretty nervous for this podcast. And unfortunately, more crashes. Oh, wait, hang on. We're not talking about that word on this pod. No, we're not. Just search for the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club. Come and join us. Everyone's welcome. Tom, it is time to thank our lovely Patreons, our official sponsors of The Joe Marler Show. Matt Gryffindor! Griffiths. Josh, not Jeff, Buckley. Thomas, here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. Alan, Dr. Watson. Warren Ballsop. (laughs) Tom, Barclays, Bank. And Claire... Paul... Paul Harbour. To 
be more like Matt, Josh, Thomas, Alan, Warren, Tom and Claire, go to patreon.com, search for Joe Marler Show and grow the show. Those were the ads. Let's get back to some bloody rugger, shall we? Should we talk specifically the weekend's rugby? Maybe before we talk about the games, Joe, you can tell us about your chicken run preparations. Ah, yes, my chicken run. I, uh, when they said, you, you're going to have to train, uh, we'd like you to come back for the Springboks game in some capacity, so make sure you stay fit. And I was like, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. The classic, don't worry, I've got a gym at my house. I'll be able to stay fit. You know, they'll never know. They'll never to actually be able to keep tabs on me until... My first, my second day of isolation. There's a box at, um, on my doorstep from England Rugby with a GPS unit on it, and I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake! So there was no way in hell I was going to be able to lie through my teeth like I have done the majority of my career, and I had to do some shuttles in the garden um, just to keep ticking over, really. And I thought it was alright, but there's there's a there's a Funny enough, there's a distinct difference between doing some shuttles in a boggy used chicken pen than there is playing international rugby at Twickenham against the most physical team in the world. It's funny that. Were you tempted to put the GPS unit on Jasper or perhaps a dog? Fuck. Would they have known? They would not have known and I should have done that. And I, why haven't I thought about that? That is ludicrous. Do they not like the GPS? They have to like plug it in afterwards, and that's how they get the data. They're not actually live GPS tracking you. No, but that's the point, Dan. You turn it on, you do the work, mm. you turn yeah. it off, and then when you take it back in, then they can download all the data of it actually having yeah. it done. So when I wouldn't. Did, I wouldn't when did you to... go back into camp? Friday. And when did you play? Saturday. So, are you telling me? that they'd have looked at the GPS and gone, oh, sorry, Joe, you can't play. Fuck, that's a good point, Dan. Maybe I should have called their bluff. Yeah, could have just left it at home, mate. Oh, f- I forgot to turn it on. Sorry, lads. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do they work in cars? Yeah. One of our lads, we went on a pre-season tour to Jersey and we got um, we in groups of cars to drive to and from training and one of the lads kept his on and recorded like a... 35 mile hour top speed which all you can do <laughs> like, like, this kid's quick yeah. yeah sign him up there it was like oh when did they do that half an hour after the session ended hmm so yeah they, they do they do work yeah nice well um joe did you find um that once the game began uh, that you were ready for action no no i found that i was clearly like bullshitted myself and everyone around me to think that i was capable of of doing it thank the lord the boss didn't think about starting me because i'd have definitely been hauled off after half an hour the classic shepherd's crook but uh you know thank thankfully that there was young bevan rod i thought was outstanding especially to back up the previous week um where you kind of you could have put money on it going well last week because it was his first cap last minute, the adrenaline carrying through. He was up against James Slipper at tight head. It was like, okay, you could, it, it was going to be all right. He was going to be all right. But then you go, oh, okay, no, he's actually then got to play the best front row in the world 
or one of one of two that they've got to just unload. Um, and yet the first free kick and then Penn going England's way sort of put the heebie-jeebies up South Africa a little bit and kept them at bay for the first thing, only for them to then roll on their second world-class outfit, if probably their better front row, if we're honest about it, um, in a really agitated and wound-up mode uh, to then just drill us and steamroll us back and contribute to the 18 penalties that we gave away. You know, we gave 10 penalties away in a row in that second half. <laughs> 10 pens in a row. <laughs> like, oh, fuck, how do we stop this, lads? They're fucking good. What did, what did Curry say then? <laughs> Maybe that was so half the issue. She was ignoring him. <laughs> <laughs> that was half the issue. No one knew... <laughs> No one knew what the fuck was going on. Is that one of those things, though? So, so apparently that is the most penalties that England have conceded in a single match in 11 years, something like 11, 12 years. Is there an argument that it doesn't actually matter if you win? It's a good question, that. At club, we always talk about um, we need to concentrate on giving away 10 penalties or less to give ourselves a good platform. But there's been so many times where we've given away 10 pens or less and lost. And then there's been so many times where we've given 25 pens away and we've won. So I'm not entirely sure that I'm believing these stats. It also depends where you give them away. Like sometimes you're on your goal line and you give away three, four in the bounce and like you do that a couple of times, there's half your penalty count. And as long as you don't concede, which England didn't, or were able to held, hold up, I think you had a couple more penalties, didn't you? And Malin's held the bloke up over the line, you got the 22 dropout. Like, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, because you win, it doesn't. In the long term, yes, you'd want to look at it and go, we don't ever want to give away 18 penalties again, especially against that team, because that's what got South Africa, South Africa back into the game, isn't it? But you win the game and you kind of, winning cures all. It was a funny one, because in that first half, it felt like the boys were like in in real control, going like seventeen points up, and it didn't feel like the pens that we'd given away were stupid pens. They were they were like pens that you'd sort of expect. But Pollard was just bang on three, six, nine, so accurate with a boot. And then you're going at half time, and it's fucking only seventeen, twelve. But it felt like we kind of should have been a bit more ahead because it felt a little bit more comfortable than it was, um, which then made the second half like, oh, fuck. South Africa are within a try here, within two pens to then start taking the lead. And that's where, traditionally, they've been strong in the last couple of years, their second halves. They've they've been winning them um, against all the oppositions they've, they've been playing. So... We were like, yeah, let's manage the second half really well. Let's the, the the first ten minutes of the second half is going to be key, and instead of managing it really well, we just went, nah, fuck it. The crowd needs some more entertainment. We don't want them doing Mexican <laughs> waves, so we'll make it a lot closer than it needs to be, shall we? Well, everyone said it's like the best England game they've seen in years, so that was that box has been ticked. When you review it, like, yeah, we were entertaining. <laughs> Are they saying that if Marcus doesn't bang over that pen? Like if, if England lose 
by a point is everyone going, yeah, do you know what? That was, I don't care that we lost. That was by far the most entertaining game I've seen for a long time. I'm sure, I'm sure the rugby public think that way. Yeah, yeah. No bias at all. Um, you'd be right. <laughs> Your 18 penalties would be a lot bigger issue have had you lost. <laughs> Right, Coley, give us your overall assessment of the game in your very knowledgeable and somewhat cynical way. I enjoyed it. It was a good game. I thought I was impressed with, say, England's attack in the first half. But then I think, like, looking back as well, looking at South Africa, like, they are... They do concede... Like, they're very hard to... Everyone talks about their great defence, but they're good defence from, like, the five-metre line, aren't they? Like, they're impossible to, like, almost more overall pick and go but actually you can score from depth which what England did um, I know Freddie Stewart didn't but like um, and I say England managed that well like they were rushing up in the centres weren't they England playing to the edge or kicking in behind and forcing them that into the field uh, it was brilliant I thought South Africa like first half they're a bit they tried to play but they just almost can't like there's one bit where I think Pollard about five blokes outside him and just throws a pass and they all look at it and it's like oh was that oh you know what I mean and, and the bit where they passed to Big Trev um, they're exiting and they pass the big trip hits him on the shoulder it's kind of like uh, God, uh, <laughs> what are you doing he has got big shoulders yeah, he has massive shoulders yeah but yeah maybe don't pass it to your tightos literally under your own sticks or whatever it is um, but no I thought I say second half of the box came more into the game didn't they and I say they're more came to the party they're scrum they're, the way this Africa play but one thing about South Africa is I think they are they're built to play from in front as we saw in the Lions tour is like and that's why I think the Lions again about to the third test kick for the corner quite a lot because if you can get a big enough score South Africa aren't really built to catch you up unless you're playing at Twickenham um, but say they're able to claw back into the game but they never because you had that gap in that healthy gap in front like you're able to and it takes so much effort even as an international team like you've been in holes haven't you I'm sure you've been playing a game show where you've been behind the scoreboard you claw back you try all you can all you can you claw back into the game and all it takes is one mistake and it's a penalty against you and all your momentum's gone and that just happened to be in the 79th minute but um, you know it was, a, it, was a, it was a good game I thought the way England I thought you're you know I was player camming you for a while I enjoyed that I enjoyed the bit. I think your foot was your first touch. Wasn't did the ball like spill out the side of a breakdown? You picked it up and it got melted. I was like, oh, mm, yeah, head, we, head, we little... head down to like a clear up job, yeah. and it was at the long place, Someone though. just yeah, and I was like, right, yeah, ball back, ball back. Yeah, that's a positive contribution. <laughs> no, um, yep. this towering human is just un- annihilated me. He is he is just a monster. He is just ginormous on that rugby field. You just fuck. Oh, well, it's his, so his um, line break. His line break oh with his high knee Yeah, but Dan, like a, that, that goes back to your point. Through. That goes back to your point you just made about them not having the ability. Did you see the, yeah. the pie he then launched to the left? <laughs> yeah. You yeah. were like, what is that? How and long have you been playing international just, rugby for? Yeah, and then three blokes literally just... Go straight off their feet over the top. I don't think there's anyone over the ball from England, but there's literally just three seconds just like. You see, oh, you see, you. you see Sorry, Sam lads. Simmons get back. He gets back yeah. and he sort of like just half stands over the ruck, doesn't compete for it, and they've ran from about thirty-five meters out. They've never changed their mind. They're only annihilating whoever's in the way, and just go. <laughs> bah, 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 bah. It was so <laughs> dumb. Yeah. Um, but we, we spoke about actually 
Can you imagine if they develop more than one way to play the game? If they actually developed a broader skill set and because their physical specimens are just monsters and if they actually developed the ability to to play a little bit more, we'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, no, they can dominate the world even more than what they already do. Yeah. But the problem is, like, you probably look at the strengths of their team, like Pollard, like, he's there because he kicks goals, doesn't he? And, like, DeAndre or whatever is can carry the ball and is really good. Like, you almost, to take that strengths away from them, which obviously works really well, you know what I mean? Like, you kind of think, yeah, it'd be really good if they could develop this all-round game. But, actually, because they're the best at what they do, Maybe you should do that. Yeah, I think maybe a South African response to that, Jay, would be, yeah, we won the World Cup. <laughs> yes, thank you. Talking of, of Etzabeth, by the way, my favourite Etzabeth stat um, involves the size of the dumbbells. I don't know if this is true, but this is reported to be true. The size of the dumbbells that he had made. So, you know, the ones that um, they have at the Lensbury, the hotel in... Um, in Teddington, a lot of the teams play at. They've got that big gym out the back now, haven't they, for the visiting rugby teams. So apparently the dumbbells in there weren't big enough for Etzebeth. So he had his own dumbbells made. See if you can get within five kilograms of the weight of each of the dumbbells that he had made. You go first, Dan. 75 kilos. 85 kilos. Joe, there was almost no point in you going there because Dan has got the number exactly right. Thank you, thank you. He, that's that's not that impressive, if I'm honest. It is to me. That's a whole me. Are you 75 kegs? Yeah. Fucking it, hell, mate. D- you need to quite. eat a little bit more, don't you? <laughs> 75 kilos. It Are you telling me you could you could bang out a 75 kilogram dumbbell curl and shoulder press? A curl and a shoulder press. <laughs> a curl to shoulder <laughs> A curl to shoulder press with a 75 kilo dumbbell. <laughs> you are a prat. <laughs> he is he is a monster and that is very, very impressive. Thing is like with those Af- South African let's go back to the second rows. Like I was thinking before the game, I'm like, how many six foot eight athletic hundred and twenty five kilo blokes do you know or have you played within your career? And I'm like maybe like Simon Shaw, he's probably like the best, you know, biggest England. I'm pretty sure he's from Zimbabwe or something as well. But like I'm like Etzebeth, Diego and Schneiman who's injured every year. So I'm like, Safra have got three of the biggest four blokes I've ever seen in a rugby field in terms of like what height. Are you and suggesting, like, I'm Dan? Like, I'm just saying they're very fortunate to be blessed with that in the uh, second row department. You, are you, are and I tell you what, they make it, they make a difference here. at scrum time. They make a difference at scrum time, don't they, Joe? Like because fucking hell, oh like my god, they are fifty odd oh kilos. Oh my god! Like I don't want to go back to it. Do like, I have an there was one scrum which you were on for, um, which was penalty, but they engaged. They won the engage, and I just thought, oh, fuck, like, because you see the entire back five just loaded. It's a bit nausey, but, like, the entire back five loaded up, and then you're just like, oh, I don't know what's coming here. And it's, yeah. <laughs> there's there's like, no way impressive. out of it either. No. Nah. You, you can't no. go up, and you can't go down. With it. You, you, try and pull it, you try and put it down to try and stop them getting any momentum or ascendancy or trying to con the ref with a with a 50-50 call that weight just pile drives over the top of you and you're like uh i don't fancy that actually i value my neck a little bit more than that so then you kind of have to go i've just got to take my medicine here and hope that um 
I live to live to fight another day. Oh. Um, which but like after having that coughed like, up one you, of my lungs, I was 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 concerned I wouldn't. Nice, but same thing. It's like even as a front row, you can get in a bad position. Like sometimes you lose engagement in a bad position, but when you've got that kind of size behind you and weight, it just gets you out of trouble. Like I've had it with um, mm. launch crews like that. Was hundred and he's hundred and twenty odd kegs. But like I remember Thomas Lavanini who got red card at the weekend when he was at Leicester. Like you could almost like you could lose the engage, get in a bad spot, and then you just hear this <gasps> from behind you, and you're like, "Fuck!" Oh, and like this, you're zooming <laughs> through the scrum again, and that's just like the sheer size of the back five or back second row. Mate, so um, talking to Thomas yeah. Lavanini, we were talking about him on the bus back from Twickenham back to Sarn Park, and I was sat at the back with Len, and I don't know how it came up. I thought, so he, he came up into conversation and we were like, what a specimen that bloke is. He's 120, how much was he? 125 kegs or 128 kegs? 720, 708 kegs, yeah. Right, like, ripped, shredded, yeah. huge, but just just a powerfully strong bloke that you used to love going, I absolutely love having Tomas behind me. He makes such a difference. But so so thick and we were like he just (laughs) we don't understand what goes through his head sometimes on the field or if anything goes through his head apart from scrums um and the amount of red cards and yellow cards and we're going through all that sort of thing and then the following day he's gone and done another thomas lavanini moment and uh shoulder charge kian ely in a ruck and got red carded mate in the head i know i can't i can't talk about it because it's rich coming from me, but Dan or Tom, you need to contribute here a little bit. How many times does he need to do it before he starts learning? Well, obviously he hasn't learned yet, but it, like I'm, I'm not going to knock him because like he came to Leicester, he didn't speak a word of English, but like there was uh, all he used to do. He basically learned, come on, Collier pretty early on. And it gets like the 60th <laughs> minute of game, 60th minute of games. There'd be a scrum with 65 minutes and he's slapping me on the back as hard as he can. And it's like, can you fucking not do that, mate? Like, but it's like, turn around. I'm like, yeah, all right. He's like, come on, Collier. I'm like, yeah, all right, mate, you're ready for it. Good. And he's like, just slapping me on the back and you're like, um, this really hurts. Can you stop? He's not going to understand, but it's like, yeah, brilliant, mate. Um, and his missus was in the crowd and spoke to my missus. She's like, oh, just, just don't speak Spanish. It's like, no. <laughs> so him and Thomas seem to be communicating really well. No. Like, he's just hit me on the back really hard. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to knock him. But, yeah, I've seen it in games and in training, um, him killing people and having to move the drill because of the consequences of his actions. Put it that way. <laughs> well, he is the most Simbin player in the entire history of uh, the, the national side of Argentina. Um, there you go. Um, Tom, what was your set? Did you watch the game? What was your overriding uh, yeah. thoughts of the game? So I was down in Cardiff, Joe. Um, okay, what are you doing the, down there? Yeah. Were you doing something big out, were you? I, I was just having a little... In fact, it was the first game of international rugby that I have watched purely for pleasure rather than working, I think, since 1994. Oh, my Lord. That's a long time, isn't it? So I watched the England game in um, the clubhouse at Cardiff Farmers Park. How old are you? Uh, which is very, very old 94? Fucking hell. So, uh, yeah, so I watched the England game on the big screen, and as you can imagine, the support uh, from the people who were watching it 
people in the throng around me was very mixed. So when I had to make a dash for the Portaloos on about 70 minutes, it was very hard to work out who would score a try. So, um, yeah, it was a nice thing to come out of the Portaloos and realise that Rafi Quirk had scored his first international try. How good was um, that try? It was superb, wasn't it? Joe Marchant, that line. He, he March Who puts him played, through? Slade, was it Slade yeah, that put him Slade's through? Slade's offload to Marchant, yeah. yeah. But Marchant was superb yesterday. Like, I know he, like, he's the only, he didn't have like hundreds of involvements, but the four or five things he had... He was. I know he's a great player. Like you obviously know him better than I do. But he's a he's a quality player. But I say to come into that game on the wing and do what he did. Um, I thought it was quite funny because say you had Johnny May slipping around everywhere. Can you tell him to get some studs on, will you? And then like, oh you my mar- he's got like. What, I don't know, hang 60 on. What about that ca- free kick? <laughs> what about the mark that he called and he went oh, yeah. to quick tap it really quickly? Uh, <laughs> forward and we all uh, put our heads in hand like fuck Johnny stop. Well, was his, his next involvement wasn't that like they kicked it through and he went to like dive on it caught it knocked it on and then got a penalty against it was like oh because someone came in from the side but yeah so like compare March with his I don't know how many caps he got seven or eight something like that compared to like the yeah. seven cap winger you kind of like who's going to be dodgy against the spring box and but March like didn't at all look any out of place I'm not saying he would look out of place but you know, I thought he was brilliant in, this, in his the bits that he had his involvements in the game the beauty of March is that not only is he a wonderful athlete, he he's got other interests in life that he so he listens to a lot of Disney, and he listens as in not watches Disney, listens to a lot of Disney soundtracks, um, loves he? loves musicals, and how would you describe him? Very head in the clouds sometimes, and yet I actually think that works beautifully for him in big games because he doesn't overthink stuff. He just goes and does his job and doesn't have a hundred different things going around his head. He's just running around the field singing Frozen songs. Um, <laughs> and the more he can do that, that produces performance like he did on Saturday. I was really, really pleased for him. It was really good for him. That's nice. The other big reaction from the partisan Welsh crowds watching that game on the big screen in the Arms Park was uh, genuine murmurs of appreciation when the slow-mos of Freddie Stewart's try was put on the screen. As he took the ball, almost standing still, thanks to Ben Young's deciding to take his time before finding him with a pass, and then muscled his way past three massive South Africans, even a very, very um, anti-English Welsh crowd was like, mm, mm. clearing their throats, were they? To go, <laughs> wankers! <laughs> they were just like, hmm, hmm, wankers uh, Dan tell us a bit about Freddie mate because you obviously know him from the club yeah oh he's um, a very good talent I think you look at he's um, hang on hang on sorry I just need to get uh, a reaction from that have you spoken to him because he is at your yeah, club all right. but yeah, no, usually yeah, no, anyone he's... under 30 you don't speak to well the way the change room is at Leicester on game day is you, yeah, I sit next to him. I do presently. Um, so I do speak to him. Can you, can you keep your fucking boots away from mine, please, mate? That kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> are you wearing them? No, mate. Get some bigger studs on. That kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, that's, we've basically spoke. We know each other's names. You know, he's, he's a, to be honest, he's a, he's a great player. He's played really well for Leicester in the past sort of 12, 18 months. And yeah, no, I, I 
I'm not going to get my only thing. I don't want to get on like the Matt Dawson bandwagon of, oh my God, he's, if he's a Kiwi, be the best player in the world. He's going to have a million cap. Like, it's just, he's 20 years old. Let's enjoy watching him play rugby because he's really good at it. Let's not hype on all the pressure because, no, like, Fred, I don't think like he's probably had a dip in form because, you know, he's so young. Like, he's played really well. And, you know, it comes to everyone at some point, like the opposition work out, target you. And it's how you like evolve your game to the next place isn't it like so i remember like i'll use ben young as my favorite example but when he first came on the scene he's like darting around breaks down scoring everything and teams are like hang on if we don't let him run at the breakdown what's he got and then it took him like six months or eight months to sort of evolve into being able to box kick being able to run a game and now you get this player now who's i say got hundred and so many caps but knows how can do everything as in can run can kick can pass can make decisions you know what i mean rather than just being a one-trick pony and I'm not saying fred's a one-trick pony but it'd be interesting to see how you know like Australia obviously didn't do the research because they kept fucking kicking him the ball and he's catching every high ball going but in time teams will go oh let's probe him this and it's how we'll react to what opposition's throwing against him and he's because he's 20 years old he's probably never had to do that and it's how he becomes evolves and if he can come out evolve from that he's going to be a hell of a player better than he is already I like Freddie I think he's a he's a good lad Um, he seems really down to earth hard working, just enjoying himself and not what I would say when me and you get together or used to get together and just sap about the world and all the youngsters coming through and be like, how fucking entitled and jumped up they all fucking are. They don't know how fucking easy they got it, the fucking pricks, all that. What we'd usually do. He doesn't strike me as one of those in the generation. He strikes me as someone just really enjoying himself knows what it's like to to work hard being at being at Leicester and being under your wing slash Steve's wing and just head down and keep improving so and he's showing that on the international stage and long may it continue for him as you mentioned is like he's one of the guys that he he's he's happy by nature if so I mean like enjoys I think what he does no, and it's just like even if it's not in rugby he's quite a you know, he brings energy to stuff without being over the top. And that's what I say, it's that's what's nice seeing him play is it's almost he's enjoying what he's doing and yeah, that's reflected, say, through Leicester and whatever. And yes, at the same time he takes the game seriously, he's diligent and all that kind of stuff. But you know what I mean? Like he's not I don't think he's weighed down by he's grounded, he's a good grounded kid, but he's not, you know, some as you say, there's the stuff we've previously moaned about doesn't apply to him. And how long may that continue. Joe, what was uh, what was Eddie's reaction after the game? Fuck Fucking hell, let's. Why did I turn South African then? Okay, okay, let guy. Um, hang on, let me think. What did he say? He went, I th- I'm pretty sure he said, fuck. We made it tough for ourselves. Fuck. And then paused. And then people giggled because he was like, oh, fucking hell. And then just said how proud he was. I'd, we we'd spoken prior to him addressing the team and because boys coming in and dribs and drabs doing a bit of media seeing their families and all that lot before he fully addressed it and he, he said how did it feel out there in the second half and and I said obviously we were under the pump um, and we'd spoken about how good South Africa are at building those pens and those pressure moments and just how do we snap out of it and it felt at one point um Towards the end, towards the end of the game, where they they had the ascendancy, it felt looking round. There was a few youngsters on, 
and it felt like it could go either way here. Right? Oh God, this is actually pretty tough. These 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 Springbok folk are, are pretty good at what they're doing, and we've lost it now. We've sort of lost it. And it would have been easy to go down that route and just go right. Well, we gave it our best shot, but fair play to them. And to see some of the youngsters actually then puff out their chests and go, fuck it, let's dig a bit deeper. We're only one score away now. We only need to get into their half, keep hold of the ball and hopefully get a try or keep hold of the ball and get a pen in a, in a position to kick it. And it was really, it was really pleasing to see those boys actually step up to the plate and, and, have that show that determination that bit of grit to go fuck it yeah I want to be in this and uh, so he was, he was just proud of that effort and he was proud of the last three or four weeks and the effort of the whole squad not just the boys that have been involved in the games but the boys that have been coming and going um, and that, and that's what he said oh and what else he also then went because Trevor Davison the Newcastle tight head slash loose head He's proper Geordie, like, who are you, pet? But really quicker, like, who are you, pet? And whenever I have a conversation with Trev, I, it's it's rude because he's big and I'm definitely being rude. I know I'm being rude, but I can't stop myself either because I can't actually understand it. But also, I just can't stop myself being rude. That's just what happens. But he talked, and I'm like, Trev, can you just slow down and go through it again? And you're, <laughs> Have you seen Jeremy Clarkson's farm yet? I know you don't like Jeremy Clarkson. You've seen it, Coley. I've still not seen I've it. I've seen it, yeah. What What about Gerald, the, the wall builder that he's got, that they obviously ham it up a bit, but he talks really like fast and brr, and they just pan to Jerry like, yep. He's nodding yeah. away. He hasn't got a clue what he's saying. That's very similar to conversation with Big Trev. And uh, Eddie kind of put him on the spot at the end of that bit to say, Trev, what do you think? And instead of Trev crumbling and Eddie sort of getting the laugh that he might have wanted, Trev went, what do you see me? I didn't understand you. And it was just gold. <laughs> the rest of the room erupted and it was that moment of, yes, Trev, you fucking got him. You fucking got him back. Well done, mate. So yeah, that was, that was the aftermatch uh, celebrations there, Tom. Nice. Um, who do you hang out with um, now Dan's no longer on the international scene uh, for now? So uh, Bill and Ferg, the two 65-year-old security guards we've got. Um, Good lads. Really good blokes, really good blokes. Although, well, they did. We've spoken about Ferg before. Yeah, Yeah. that was spoken about again. That I was actually more, I was more hurt. I was more gutted that he had not let Ed Sheeran into the after party than I was losing the World Cup final. Is that a headline for the yeah. newspaper this week? <laughs> Speaking of which, oh, I looked sorry. on bloody... What was I looking on? And it was like... It was a headline. It was a picture of Marcus Smith. And he goes, I'm, he's the worst 10 I've ever played with. And I didn't need to read the article, <laughs> but I knew exactly said it and what it was about. Right? <laughs> you just write your own headlines out, don't you? They'd, That's the... Uh, they'd, put, they'd put me up on press. And I went, are you sure about this? And they went, yeah. And then they were asking me so much about Marcus, and I went, and it was all the all all on Zoom, and I went, 
they're like, could you just tell us, you know, what you think about Marcus? And I went, he's awful. He's dreadful. He's one of the worst tens I've ever played with. His left hand pass is dog shit. And the amount of kicks, <laughs> the amount of kicks I've seen him shank just through the roof. I don't know what all the hype is about. And because it was a big Zoom virtual with the writers and I could see them all on the gallery view and they were kind of like, hmm, uh, we know he's joking, but if he doesn't follow it up with anything, that's what we have to write. So then I just stopped talking. I didn't fill any more gaps. And then it moved on to a different question. And then a South African journalist came in and spoke about the scrum or something. So that was still left. And then it wasn't until someone came back with a... So when was the first moment that you you saw Marcus and, and realised he uh, he was actually going to be quite good? And then I had to follow it up with, no, actually, he is very good. I'm just getting sick and tired of all the fluffing that's going off because there's enough people doing it. Very similar to the Freddie Stewart comment you just made, Dan, that uh, although it's too late, the horse has already bolted in terms of fluffing, Marcus. The press have just put everything on him, so... Maybe it's about I just gave that that view on him that he does need to wind his fucking neck in. So yeah, Bill and Ferg, they're the guys I hang around with because they're they're the nearest things to what Coley Coley is like: bald, old, miserable. Richard Hill, Stiff, MBE, ineffective. Um. <laughs> Joel was yeah, he was good value. He was with me for a little bit, a couple of drinks, but then I could see him like. No, I want to go hang with the youngsters, really. You're boring as shit. And I was looking around like... It was really good to see, actually, the amount of youngsters that were buying into celebrating it and making the most of it. And as, as there was Joel, also a lot of partners that had come. Was Joel wary of, like, being on the piss with you and the last time we ripped his pants off him and he still hasn't forgiven me? <laughs> To this day. Is that a literal you ripped his pants off him or a, or a metaphorical? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just for the listeners, uh, Joel Stocker is in charge. What's his, I don't know his official role, apart from being a, a good friend of ours, Dan. He, he does all like the producer. next level behind yeah. the scenes ideas, Content. videographer, yeah. Content yeah. guy. He's... He's good at what he does. He's very, very good. Um, very strange-shaped head. But yeah. Looks like Cyril from... Who was it from Simpsons? Oh, yes. I, off the top of my head. But basically, yeah, he looks like his head's been like squished through a gate and it's just extended out the back. Um, <laughs> but yeah, context, context to me, ripping his pants off him. Um, it, was a World Cup, it was after the World Cup final. We'd had a few drinks and he was getting a bit leery. So I think me, Joe, and my mate who'd flown out there basically just wedged him and ripped his pants off and he was basically crying about it. He reckons he won the fight, but we kept our pants on us. So that's basically <laughs> what it descended into. <laughs> After Ed Sheeran got, wasn't allowed into the party, it's, it degenerated rapidly. So, yeah. Joel, what, Joel, what did we used to call you? Me? Yeah, what did we used to call you? Something from The Simpsons, wasn't it? Just Cecil, it's a uh, sideshow Bob's mate, isn't it? Sideshow's Bob's mate, Cecil. Sorry, we're just reminiscing over the time that Coley, me and Piggy ripped your pants off in Japan. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, uh, and, and, and you got Piggies as well, haven't you? Oh, yeah, we did do Piggy. We did yeah. your mates. And then, and then afterwards he said to me, um, he looked me in the eye and said, it's good when that happens because it means they like you. 
<laughs> my arsehole's in tatters and that means they <laughs> like you <laughs> Sake. My arsehole was in tatters. <laughs> Very difficult to follow that line, isn't it, on a podcast? That means they like you. Fuck. Brilliant. <laughs> um, they're the sort of people I hang around with these days. I'm, I'm like a lost puppy without Carly. Uh, well, to be honest, your age, you're probably nearer, like, the staffing age than you are members of the squad, aren't you? It comes to you, like, when you're yeah. a player, you realise that, you're like, fuck, I'm actually closer to the staff in age and wit as, and then you are actual players and it's like oh god I'm old Inst- instead of doing what I should have done and just gone to bed early because I didn't have any friends there you know get a pizza and just settle in and watch a film and have a bottle of red on my own and go to sleep Can't, knowing full well I'm coming back to four kids and I need to put a decent shift in oh god as in as a father um <laughs> I decided to just stay up and still keep drinking and still try and be one of the last ones just because I was enjoying myself, enjoying the boys and having fun and that lot. And uh, then heading back to my room, ordering two pepperoni pizzas and watching Heat whilst drinking a bottle of red wine. Did you, when the pepperoni pizzas arrived, did you just ask them to be left outside the door or did you have a conversation? And did they come because the hotel you're staying in, did the pepperoni pizza come with a big silver dome over it that you had to remove yes it arrived at the door tom with uh, two silver domes over it and he walked straight in uninvited actually i opened the door and then he just walked straight in and i said okay just put it on the bed there and it was pretty quick paid for it there and then and then he left i went thank you very much all the best uh, pressed space bar and carried on watching the heat shootout which is one of my favourite um, at the end oh my in god the it's just fucking brilliant absolute carnage then realised how big these pizzas were and I was tucking into it knowing full well that I couldn't taste a fucking thing so it makes no different what's going on here and then I, it, I halfway through I went I'm never going to be able to touch the second one even though I was really hungry these were massive and the bloke who I'd rung to see it, it's his fucking fault, because I said, hello, mate, can I get a club sandwich? He said, no, we're not doing them. We are doing pizzas. We can do a margarita or pepperoni. And I went, I'll have a pepperoni pizza then. He went, just the one. And I went, the way he said it, it was like, mm. I have to order two. No, no, I'll have two then. I had it for breakfast instead. <laughs> <laughs> did you even leave your room before? Did you just leave it on the floor next to your bed and then... When you woke up, did you just reach down and pick it up? I left it on, I left it on the footstool next to my bed, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, it's there, lovely. It just reminds me of the time, who did we lose to? Was it Wales we lost to in 2015, the World Cup? And basically, we're in mourning about that. Oh, we, no! Was... <laughs> so, Saturday we lost, I think, Sunday night. you got to we... word this story very carefully, Dan. Yeah, I have, yeah. Basically, it was a Sunday night and the players, not everyone, I think some people have gone home, but most people feels in the camp and like Robbo was my roommate and it was the first time he'd literally come out of his room in 24 hours. So went to the bar and I think it was like a few of us and it's like, let's just have a, let's just have a drink at the bar. Like anyway, one drink, more and more boys start filtering in and one drink becomes a lot. 
Anyway, we decided that we're going to, like, it was one of the, you went to bed slightly early, but this, I think it's me, Robbo, Ben Youngs, and we're like, right, let's go talk to, I think Mike Cat was in charge, and we're like, yeah, let's go talk to him, let's take him a beer, because he loves a drink. We knocked on his door, me and Rob, Ben Youngs knocked on the door with two beers, me and Robbo then hid, Catty opens the door, he's like, <laughs> what the fuck? And he's like, you've got training tomorrow, go to bed, and he's just like, oh God, so me and Robbo, anyway, as we're walking back, we we then realise that we've got these beers, and it's like, oh, Marlon want a beer, and your room, it the door, if you hit it hard enough for your shoulder, it just came open. So we did this. So we banged on the door, came open. We walk in. You've got like some music channel on TV. One hand down his pants, and he's just got crisps all down his front. Like he's just fallen asleep midway through this bag of crisps. It, it was like, no, mate. Right. It was a ham and cheese sandwich. No, it wasn't because it wasn't because we walked in, and then I found the ham and cheese sandwich on the sofa. And I was like, and you're like, can I have that? I'm like. <laughs> yeah, all right, mate. And through that, but cheese sandwich, you ate that as well. So like, I was looking for that, and it was like tucked down this, like behind the cushion. And I was like, I sat on it. It was like, oh, what the fuck is it? Like, oh, there you go. Yeah, and it was like, right, we'll leave you to Cheers, it, mate. Lads, midway through, yeah, coming in crisps, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, left. The great thing about that Wales game, obviously, was that there was still the Australia game to come a few days later, wasn't it? So it was all fine. Yeah. Or maybe it was the Australia. No, it was the Australia. It was, it was the no, second it was game. The, it was the Australia game. Okay, it so was it's the, game over. It was the bombed out, yeah. and yeah. we were like, it the, "Yeah, it was that." Fuck, yeah. we're never showing our faces in public ever again. Yeah, because yeah. let's play. This is the end Uruguay of Uruguay the next week, didn't we? Because we were playing Europe. We had tried to go up north. So I think we had a couple of days off in Manchester. Was, yeah. yeah, that was it. So it was, yeah, sorry, <laughs> it, was a, it was the second game, but yeah, it was. Uh, I just remember barging on Joe. Still Ta- my memory. Time, time of our lives, Dan. Time of our lives. Well, that is probably all we have time for on the pod today. Um, I feel like I've given you absolutely no details on the Wales-Australia game, so I'll give you one very small and meaningless detail from that game, or rather the aftermath of the game about six hours after it finished, where for research purposes, purely for this episode of the podcast, I was out in Cardiff. And what I will say is that when Lewis Rees-Zamet walks into a crowded Cardiff nightclub, then there is a long stream of probably 25 girls who follow him everywhere he goes. <laughs> 25 girls and yeah. yourself. Were you part of the crew? <laughs> Lewis! <laughs> Zamo! I do, I do the Joe Marler show. Do you want to come on the pot, Zamo? <laughs> so, Tom, you have just admitted to being a massive Reese Summit fanboy that was just following <laughs> round Tiger Tiger all night. Not creepy in the slightest. Um, right, that's it from us in 2021. I just want to say a massive thank you on behalf of me and Tom, because I like talking over Tom and speaking on his behalf. Uh, I want to say thank you to everyone who's listened, bought a bubble hat, bought a print, become an official Patreon, um, followed us on Insta or Twitter, and just... Anyone who's just supported the show, it's it's been it's been an amazing year for us, um, and hopefully we will be back bigger and better in 2022, and maybe with the possibility of a few live shows as well. Um, Dan, you'll be back, won't you? Please tell me you'll be back. Unfortunately, you've been such a popular addition to the podcast that I have to ask you to come back a lot. Is that okay? That's fine. I'd love to come back, Joe. It's been uh, great fun doing it. 
Do you mind just saying that again with a little bit more enthusiasm and <laughs> vigour? <laughs> I don't want I don't want to blow too much smoke up your ass, mate. So you know I've got to keep you grounded. But uh, yeah, it's been good fun. I'm going to tell people about another podcast they can listen to before we come back. Now, this is called American Vigilante. It's about a guy called KC who lives off-grid in America and, get this, saves kidnapped children. It's presented by the journalist Sam Walker, and she's been speaking to KC for months and has recorded everything that he's told her. So it's true crime, but it's a lot more than that too. Have a listen, see who you believe. Just go and search for American Vigilante. American Vigilante. I changed that at the last minute because I've been saying American Vigilante. And then... Vigilante. <laughs> I people over the weekend saying Vigilante. So I thought I'd try it out. It doesn't suit me. And from this point on, I'll go back to Vigilante. <laughs> hey, American Vigilante. Hey. <laughs> What's the podcast called, Joe? American... Ameri- oh, what's his name? KC, American Vigilante. Dan, you go for it. What, what's the podcast called? Well, it's American Vigilante. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, thanks again, mate. Bye. 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 Oh, I'll see, oh, Dan, I'll see you in a couple of weeks, won't I? We're going will, hammer yes. and tong, health, health for leather, ratu rutting stags, head on head. Oh, please, just take it easy on me, will you? Oh, well, likewise, mate. You're the you're the Premiership champions, mate. You've got to dial it down for us. So yeah, be alright. Tom, can you hear? The, can you hear the lack of respect he has for Harlequins? <laughs> like, I oh, just listen. Just oh my god, it is disgusting that there's just no respect whatsoever from one of my best rugby friends, wanker. <laughs> right Dan I can't wait to see you mate um, thank you so much Dan lovely to see you see you soon see you Tom bye Crowd Network a place where you belong Podcast Network.